You're listening to the official podcast of Church of the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church of the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at www.wellchurchvt.com. Oh, it's just so good to hear all, all of you sing this morning and the kids singing on this cold winter morning. It is good to be with you, and I'm really excited about our sermon series, Let the Children Come. Um, here at Church of the Well, our vision is to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. This is our aspiration, our vision. And this winter, we want to get a fresh glimpse of who Jesus is and what he is like, because actually that's pretty important if we're going to be moving in the direction of becoming like Jesus, right? And we're getting that fresh glimpse of Jesus by beholding him as a child. And so to do this, um, as you well know, we're spending time with the Jesus Storybook Bible, and the kids are going to be spending uh, time this morning with the same story that we're going to be spending time with. So I'm going to invite up Kathleen and uh, Kira, who are going to read to us from the Jesus Storybook Bible. They're going to read the paraphrase of Matthew uh, chapter 6, where Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. In those days, there were some extra super holy people. At least that's what they thought. And they were called Pharisees. Every day, they would stand out there in the middle of the street and pray out loud in big, extra super holy voices. They really weren't praying so much as just showing off. They used lots of special words that were so clever no one understood what they meant. People walking by would stop and stare, which might sound rude, except that's exactly what the extra super holy people wanted. They wanted everyone to say, look at them. They're so holy. God must love those people best. Now, you and I both know they were wrong. God doesn't just love holy people. But the people walking by weren't so sure. Perhaps you did have to be really clever or good or important for God to love you. Perhaps you had to know lots of difficult, clever words to speak to God. Thank you. So one day, Jesus taught people how to pray. He said, when you pray, don't pray like those extra super holy people. They think if they say lots of words, God will hear them. But it's not because you're so clever or good or so important that God will listen to you. God listens to you because he loves you. Did you know that God is always listening to you? Did you know that God can hear the quietest whisper deep inside your heart, even before you've started to say it? Because God knows exactly what you need, even before you ask him, Jesus told them. You see, God just can't wait to give you all that you need. So you don't need to use long words or special words. You don't have to use a special voice. You just have to talk. So when you pray, pray in your normal voice, just like when you're talking to someone you love very much, like this. Hello, Daddy. We want to know you and be close to you. Please show us how. Make everything in the world right again and in our hearts too. Do what is best, just like you do in heaven. And please do it down here too. Please give us everything we need today. Forgive us for doing wrong, for hurting you. Forgive us just as we forgive other people when they hurt us. Rescue us. We need you. We don't want to keep running away and hiding from you. Keep us safe from our enemies. You're strong, God. You can do whatever you want. You're in charge, now and forever and for always. We think you're great. Amen. Yes, we do. You see, Jesus was showing people that God would always love them with a never-stopping, never-giving-up, 
unbreaking always and forever love. So they didn't need to hide anymore or be afraid or ashamed. They could stop running away from God and they could run to him instead as a little child runs into her daddy's arms. Thank you, Kira and Kathleen. So we've just read a paraphrase of the Lord's Prayer. Did you notice how that paraphrase starts? And traditionally, we start the Lord's Prayer, Our Father, who art in heaven. But here it starts, Hello, Daddy. Now that might sound a bit informal to you, maybe even a little silly to call God Daddy. Uh, but actually, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he used the word Abba. And Abba is Aramaic for daddy. It's precisely what young Jewish children in Jesus' time would have called their fathers, Abba, Daddy. So whether we pray the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, or we say, Hello, Daddy, we are being reminded that God is our Father and that we are his children. And this is Jesus' explicit invitation to us to come to God in prayer as a child. But what does that look like? How do we come to God as his kid? The title of my sermon this morning is Learning to Pray Like a Child Again. And this morning, we're going to look at three ways that children pray that I think might have something to teach us about prayer. So let's just jump right in. Um, in the beginning of, of this reading today, we encounter some Pharisees, and the Jesus Storybook Bible calls them these extra super holy people. A and Jesus says this about them in Matthew 6. They love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. And I love how the Jesus Storybook Bible puts it. It says every day they would stand out there in the middle of the street and pray out loud in big, extra, super holy voices. They really weren't praying so much as showing off. They used lots of special words that were so clever, no one understood what they meant. So these Pharisees, they're putting on a show, right? They're trying to impress people with their holiness. Now, there's a word in the English language for this, and that word is pretense. Pretense. Let me define pretense. Pretense is a professed intention rather than a real intention, right? In other words, pretense is a, a false display of feelings or attitudes or intentions. It, it's a kind of deception. It, it's putting on a facade to try to impress other people, right? Now, have you noticed this about kids? Kids are generally not very good at pretense, right? Uh, now, kids are very good at pretending, now give them a puddle and, and a leaf and they'll pretend that it's an ocean with a boat on it and they're captain and they'll play captain of the boat on the ocean in the puddle right? for hours in their beautiful imaginary world. That's not pretense. That, that's pretending as a form of play, right? Pretense is actually also a kind of pretending, but it's not play. It's a social strategy. And we adults are really good at it. In fact, unfortunately, we can be so good at it that sometimes we don't even realize we're doing it at all and we deceive ourselves. Um, so think about it. Like when was the last time you nodded your head in agreement when people were having a conversation around you and talking about something that you actually did not understand or follow, right? Anyone? <laughs> or you laughed at a joke you didn't actually get. <laughs> but you pretended to, or, or you smiled and you said you were fine when actually you had a terrible headache and your day so far had been just a train wreck, 
right? Why would we do this? Why would we pretend something that is not true about ourselves? I think it's because we need or we feel the need to hide something about ourselves. In fact, I think what we're doing is perhaps protecting a vulnerability in a context of insecurity. Right? I'm hiding that I don't understand what you're talking about because I'm afraid I will not look very smart if you know that I don't understand what you're talking about. I'm hiding that I didn't get that joke because I really don't want you to think that I'm socially unsophisticated. Um, I, I'm hiding that I'm really uh, feeling unwell because that would be a bother to you. And if I'm a bother to you, that could be a liability for our relationship. So hiding is what we do behind pretense, right? It's what Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden when they sinned and shame entered their world and they hid from God. And in so many ways, we are still hiding from God today, aren't we? We may not be like the Pharisees hiding behind a false show of holiness in the public square, praying aloud for everyone to hear, right? Our hiding, our pretense is probably a lot more subtle. Uh, and I'd like to share two examples from my own struggles with pretense in prayer. Um, but, but first, let me just plainly say pretense and prayer don't mix. They don't mix. If you come to prayer with any pretense at all, that pretense will become a wall, It'll be a wall that you come up against and that will keep you from experiencing intimacy with God. So when it comes to prayer, Jesus has some advice for us. He says, when you pray, be more like children than adults. Be more like children. For this is what you actually are, God's child. You are God's child. He is your father. So the first of the three points I want to make this morning is this, to pray like a child is to pray without pretense. To pray without pretense. Every time I come to God in prayer, I have a problem. Maybe you have this problem too. The problem is how. How do I pray? I might know what I want to pray, but I'm daunted by the prospect of talking to God, and that's when all of the shoulds start to pop into my head. I don't know, have you inherited any shoulds when it comes to prayer? If I start trying to do everything that the shoulds are telling me to do, prayer will very quickly become a spiritual obstacle course. Prayer is not meant to be a spiritual obstacle course. Um, here are some of the shoulds that often come into my mind when I go to pray. You should pray with your head bowed, with your hands folded or held open or in any number of very particular ways. Uh, your eyes should be closed. Um, if I'm praying at night, often I feel you should pray on your knees uh, or you should give thanks before you ask God for anything. I mean, it would be haughty to just go in and just ask God for something without stopping and stepping back and, and first being grateful, right? You shouldn't just ask for anything. It should be something you really, really need, right? Don't bother God with the little things. Uh, you should also be sure to ask for forgiveness very early on in your prayer. After all, don't forget you're a sinner. Uh, you should also always end your prayer by saying, in Jesus' name, amen. God might not be able to hear your prayer if you don't end that way. Okay, these are just some of the, the, the shoulds, right? The false narratives. Uh, now, is there anything wrong with bowing your head in prayer? or closing your eyes, or any of these things. Absolutely not. In fact, these are beautiful expressions of devotion. 
And many of them are personally quite helpful to me uh, when I'm uh, going to prayer. They help me to step into a posture of humility. But I've found that it's helpful for me not to think of these as shoulds, but as cans, right? And if they come to my mind as a should, I'm learning to convert them to a can. If I want to, I can bow my head. If I feel led to, I can kneel. If starting with gratitude seems good to me, even though there's all of these things I really want to ask God for, I can start with gratitude, right? There's a freedom and a spaciousness in prayer. You see, God doesn't care about our following a formula or, or our using fancy words. He doesn't want our piety. He just wants us. He just wants us. Uh, Richard Foster, in his book on prayer, it's called Prayer, Finding the Heart's True Home. It's an excellent book. Um, he says this, Our problem is that we assume prayer is something to master, the way we master algebra or auto mechanics. And that puts us in the on-top position where we, we're competent and in control. But when praying, we come underneath, where we calmly and deliberately surrender control and become incompetent. Did you catch that? Prayer is not something to master. It's actually an exercise in incompetence. I don't know if that's what you came to, to church to hear this morning, but I'll say it again. Prayer is an exercise in incompetence. Uh, Jesus, uh, the Jesus Storybook Bible says it this way. It's not because you're so clever or good that God will listen to you, right? God listens to you because he loves you. Prayer is surrendering to that love. Uh, there's another kind of pretense that sometimes gets in the way for me when I'm praying. Do you ever edit your prayers? Do you ever edit your prayers holding back what you think God doesn't really want to hear from you. I do. I, I do sometimes, for sure. Um, I find myself coming up against that struggle, that temptation. Part of me is trying to be so good when I pray, right? Uh, to be polite with God, to not offend God. So sometimes I hold back some of the raw stuff, right? These are things, there are things sometimes that I think I, I need to figure out on my own own instead of bothering God with, like if I'm really angry about a situation or I'm frustrated or I'm disappointed or I'm annoyed, but maybe I feel like I shouldn't be annoyed, but I'm still annoyed. Maybe I need to work this out before I go to God in prayer, right? You know, I'm actually so silly, I will confess, as to think that I'm sparing God. Do you see the pretense here? Do you see the pretense Friends, God doesn't want us to hold back what is in our heart. Psalm 62 says, pour out your heart to God. He wants us to come to him as we are, not as we aren't. He wants us to come to him as we are, not as we aren't. Imperfections and all. I have another quote from Richard Foster that I want to share with you. He says this, there's no pretense in simple prayer. We do not pretend to be more holy, more pure, or more saintly than we actually are. We do not try to conceal our conflicting and contradictory motives from God or ourselves. And in this posture, we pour out our heart to the, uh, to the God who is greater than our heart and who knows all things. We pour out our heart, just like it says in Psalm 62. Did you know that it's okay to come to God with selfish motives? 
It's okay to let him know how you feel, even when you're angry or you're disappointed or you're frustrated or confused or sad or you feel some way that you think you shouldn't feel and that it won't please God for you to feel that way, right? It's even okay to talk to God and to talk to him about when you're frustrated with him, disappointed in him, and angry at him. Can you do that? Because he can take it. He can handle it. And if you want proof that that is okay, just read the Psalms. Our job is to pray. Jesus' job is to purify our prayers. Uh, One more uh, Richard Foster quote, last one. He says this, Not only are we saved by grace, we live by it as well, and we pray by it. Not only are we saved by grace, but we pray by grace. So to pray like a child is to pray without pretense. And here's the second point I want us to consider this morning. To pray like a child is not to be afraid to pray for the impossible and not to be ashamed to pray for the mundane. I want us to spend a little more time with those prayers that the children wrote that we heard this morning. Um, And I wonder what we can learn from these prayers. So um, let's look at them again. I I wonder what these prayers might have in them by example that could teach us or help us to pray more like a child. Jesus, I pray that you will give people that are suffering war peace and wisdom. I pray that you will protect them and shine your light on them. I also pray that you will show them that you will always be there for them, even in the darkest times, and that there will always be hope. Amen. Amen. I pray for a new building so we can have storage for our kids' church uh, and, and a place to keep our Christmas pageant costumes. Also, I pray for a, a place that we can call our specific location so newcomers know where to find us. Congratulations if you're a newcomer and you found us. Um, <laughs> Um, and so that our church can grow. And I pray for a middle school group area, a special area, so that the middle schoolers don't have to just meet in the lobby, right? And a welcome foyer for Coffee Sunday. And, and, and also I want new volunteers for Kids Church. Well, there you go. If anyone wants to volunteer for Kids Church, you'll make some kids very happy. Um, so that is what I'm praying for in the new year. Amen. Amen. God, I love you. Thank you for my goat, Dolly. Please watch over my animals. Love, Anne. Help us to have more activities and fun and songs. Amen. Friends, is there anything that's standing out to you that you would be brave enough to give voice to uh, this morning right now? Is there anything that's standing out to you about these prayers that might teach us something or, or help us to pray as a kid? What's standing out to you? There will always be hope. What else stands out? Honesty. Honesty. Unfiltered. Jesus stands out. Yeah, he's right in the center of all these prayers, isn't he? Unfiltered. Ah, there's a sense of they've seen what the needs are. They're observant. They care. Not afraid to ask for big things, too. 
I love that uh, prayer. This prayer, it, 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 it prays for all of those who are suffering war and peace, that they would, they would have peace and they would have wisdom. In this prayer is a prayer for Israel and Gaza and Russia and Ukraine and Somalia and Eritrea and Afghanistan and all of the places that are touched by war right now. They're all here, aren't they? Anything else that stands out to you? Uh huh. Delight, delight. I I love that. Um, the the prayer. Um, more songs, please. It makes me. It makes me. I just. I would just put this as a question to you. Do you think it's okay to laugh in prayer? Is laughter okay in prayer? I think the kids would approve. A- any final observations? Not selfish. Not selfish. God cares about the goats. You know what I felt when I when I when I was um I was thinking about that prayer and I was like, I've prayed for my cat before. Of course it's okay to pray for animals. Why don't I pray for endangered species? Maybe I could do that. I'd like to share two stories this morning, and I want to thank the parents um, who have given me permission to share these stories from our church family. Uh, recently, Luann shared a story about um, her daughter, Zia, who was five years old at the time, and, and prayed that God would give her freckles. Now, Luann was sure that this was going to be the occasion at which Zia would learn that God doesn't always answer prayers, or at least not in the ways that we wish Right. What do you know? That summer, Zia gets a few freckles on her face. Zia was very happy to report to her mom that God had indeed answered her prayer. And who is to say that he didn't? Right? Psalm 37 uh, says this, The Lord delights in every detail of their lives. Uh, it talks about the righteous in the earlier in the earlier part of this verse. So it's uh, the Lord delights in every detail of, of their lives, of our lives, the lives of the righteous, the lives of those who are following God and are covered by his blood and made righteous, righteous um, by Jesus. Children seem to know this intuitively. God cares about the details, right? Now, just as kids are not ashamed to pray for those mundane things like freckles, so they're also not afraid to pray for big, even impossible things. And why not? Doesn't Jesus teach us to pray, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? That is a prayer for the whole world in one sentence. And the Jesus Storybook Bible puts it this way, uh, hello, daddy, make everything in the world right again and in our hearts too. It's a pretty big prayer. So story number two, the Minin family was on a three-day canoe trip a few years ago in the Adirondacks. Um, John, Megan, and uh, Willa, who was six years old at the time. And on the second day of their three-day canoe trip, they were doing some portages. So they're carrying their canoe across land, putting it in the water, uh, uh, canoeing across a pond, then across land, and then across another pond. And they got to the biggest pond uh, that they were crossing, a Hoel pond. And um, they got there and the water was super choppy and it was unsafe to paddle. They could not keep going. And Megan and John gave each other a look of concern like, oh, is this going to be the end of our trip? Are we going to have to to stop here? Uh, and Willa um, observed this and, and said, um, I don't see what the big deal is. God controls the weather, right? So why don't we just ask him to make it calm? So they left their canoe by a tree. It was lunchtime. They walked to a nearby golf course, had lunch on the putting green, prayed that God would bless, gave thanks for the food and prayed that God would bring peace to the pond. 
And here's what John says. 30 minutes later, when lunch was done, we walked back over to the pond. Hoel Pond, which was full of whitecaps only a half hour ago, was still. We were shocked. We said, Willa, it worked. She was pretty matter of fact. Almost, of course it did. (laughs) It was a teachable moment for me, Megan, and Willa. So friends, let that be a teachable moment for us too. When children ask God for things, here's what they're not thinking. They're not thinking, what if God doesn't answer my prayer? If he doesn't answer my prayer, what will that mean? Will it mean that my prayers aren't good enough? Or or that I didn't pray hard enough? Or long enough? Or right enough? Or, Or worse, could it be that God can't hear me or maybe he just doesn't hear anyone's prayers or 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 he's not even there no kids just say their prayer and they move on don't they little kids are so good at not overcomplicating things and not overcomplicating things in prayer might be a little easier for us if we understood how the jews in jesus's time thought about prayer Um, William Barclay summarizes um, the Jewish um, approach to prayer really well in his book on the Lord's Prayer. He says uh, this one quote that I wanted to share. An answer to prayer is always a boon, never a right. That was um, representative of Jewish approach to prayer, right? So the Jews of Jesus's day, they believed in prayer. They believed in persevering prayer. But ultimately, they saw all answered prayer not as something they earned, or as something that they were entitled to, but as a pure gift. And when we see answer prayer as a gift, not as something we're entitled to, I think that will free us up to pray with a childlike faith. So how is it that children pray this way without pretense, without fear when praying about big impossible things, without shame when praying for the mundane things? Well, I have a hunch that it may have something to do with this. Children pray out of their belovedness. And this is my third point. To pray like a child is to pray out of our belovedness. To be a child is to arrive into the world loved, to be provided for by love, to be protected by love, and to be delighted in by love. Now this is, of course, not everyone's experience of childhood. And many of us in this room are all too sorely aware of that from personal experience. But to the extent that this is true for a child, there's no need for pretense, right? There's no need for fear or shame because they're already accepted, protected, provided for, and delighted in. Now we adults, we have a much harder time receiving love don't we? We've learned to make it in this hard world. We've gotten good at wearing our masks, at earning our successes through hard work, at competing with people to get ahead, at winning the affection that we crave, right? We hardly have a category for unconditional love, which is why I think we need to take a cue from children, right? Because they have a lot to teach us about receiving God's love. They have a lot to teach us about unhiding from God. Henry Nouwen, the Catholic priest and author, says this. He says, to pray is to listen to the one who calls you my beloved daughter, my beloved son, my beloved child. 
To pray is to let that voice speak to the center of your being and let that voice resound in your whole being. Did you notice that Henry Nouwen uses the word listen when he's talking about prayer here? Because praying isn't just speaking, it's also listening. And I believe that when this description, when Henry Nouwen's description of prayer is true for us, when we hear God in whatever way we hear him, uh, calling us his beloved child, when we have a revelation that we are indeed his and that he loves us with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love, I believe that then the words that close out the passage that we read today in the storybook Bible will be true for us. They didn't need to hide anymore or be afraid or ashamed. They could stop running away from God and they could run to him instead as a little child runs into her daddy's arms. Let this be true of us. I'm going to invite the band up. And as they're coming up, I'm going to give us some instructions and invite you to join me in doing something a little different this morning, something we haven't done before. You may have noticed these tables with these very, very garish colors on them. Perhaps they're reminiscent of childhood for you. They are, they are for me. Um, and on these tables, you'll see cardstock and pen, pens. Um, and what the invitation is going to be during the last song, um, I invite you to come forward, take a pen and a piece of cardstock, and to write a very simple childlike prayer. It could be a one-word prayer, a two-word prayer. It could be a 15-word prayer if you want. It could be an asking for prayer. It could be a help me God prayer. It could be an I love you God prayer. It could be show me who you are God prayer, right? But there's one rule that you have to follow. Are you ready for the rule? You have to use your non-dominant hand. So if you're right-handed, you need to write the prayer with your left hand. If you're left-handed, you need to write the prayer with your right hand. If you're ambidextrous, this is your lucky day. This is going to feel awkward. This might take a little extra time. Um, this, uh, I want to encourage you to push through the awkwardness and to let the prayer of the child within you come into words. Um, and also, don't feel like, don't overthink of it. D don't feel like you have to have the prayer written in your head before you decide to come up. Be like a child. Even if you don't know what you're going to pray, come up and trust that when you put that pen to paper, the prayer will come out, right? We're going to um, collect these prayers in the baskets there, and next week you will see those prayers um, on an art piece that we're going to make available. So be sure to come back next week to see that. So please place the prayer in the basket when you're finished. Um, and with that, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, Abba, Daddy, thank you for taking such good care of us. We are so happy to get to be your kids. We pray that you would help your broken world. We pray that countries would stop fighting countries. We pray for people who are hungry, for people who are hurting, for people who are cold. Would you feed them and heal them and warm them wherever they are? Help us to share what we have with them. May everyone know that they have a heavenly father who loves them, that they are your kids too. 
Give us courage to treat all people as our brothers and sisters, children of the King. Give us what we need, food, water, warmth, family, friends, love, everything we need. When we're faced with darkness and light, help us always to choose light. Forgive us when we don't. We love you, Daddy. Thank you that you will never let us go. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community practicing the way of Jesus and thirsting for the life he gives.